Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. My name is Jules Dan. Hey, I've got a really cool guest for you today. Today, his name is Ravi Abuvala, and he runs Scaling with Systems. And maybe you've seen him on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, but uh, he really helps BB companies uh, scale their offers and obviously with systems. So today, we talk about some of his systems that he talks about, which is lead generation, getting someone to fulfill that lead generation so you don't have to do it. Um, and a bunch of different other marketing ways. He has gotten some seriously cool results. He's 27 like myself. Um, so yeah, really interesting and fascinating. Listen, especially from his backstory of coming from law and then not making any money, basically, for a few months and then uh, really turning things around. So super interesting chat today with my guest today, Ravi. And of course, all the links below that he mentions is going to be in the show notes. Hope you enjoy my conversation today with Ravi Abuvala. Hey, this is Jules Dan from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Ravi Abuvala and from scalingwithsystems.com. Ravi, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Jules, thanks so much for having me on here. Everybody that is tuning in, listening to this, thank you so much for lending me your ear. I am definitely excited to drop some, some value bombs here with Jules. Yeah, I'm super excited and I'm really grateful that you came on. I know it's a bit later in the evening for you, but we're going to get some really good stuff out of the show from you. But today, I first want to get to know a little bit about you, Ravi. You know, what's, because you're, I think, how old are you right now? I just turned 27. I'm 27 too. So what oh, nice. is your, what's your backstory to how you got to where, where you are right now? Sometimes I ask 50 year old people and they go on for 15 minutes, but. Yeah, no, I'll keep it very tight. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'm, yeah, I'm a marketer good. myself. So I get, I get the the stick, but um, yeah, to keep it very short, I was going to be a lawyer. That was like always the, the goal my whole life. That was what my parents wanted me to do education, all that stuff. And I graduated uh, university expecting to take a year to study for law school in the United States. You study something called the LSAT. And three days after I graduated, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And so I ended up having to move in with him and take care of him for a year. And so I am, you know, waking up at 5 a.m., studying uh, law school until 8 a.m., then getting in the car, taking him to the uh, hospital, doing chemo radiation, getting home at 5 p.m., studying until midnight. And it was just during this whole kind of ordeal that I, I started to really question, you know, not to sound cheesy, but not the meaning of life, but just started to question if law was where I wanted to go, right? If, yeah. if, if this could happen to anybody at any time frame, right? My dad hadn't smoked a cigarette in 25 years. Mm -hmm. I just was like, you know, life is kind of fragile. So I ended up getting retargeted by some ads online that I'm sure everyone who's listening yeah. to this sees hundreds or even runs hundreds like I do and um, learned about what online businesses were. And I ended up calling a friend who was running an online business and he kind of encouraged me to get into it. And so I started an advertising agency in 2018. Yeah. Um, 
2019, we scaled it to a seven-figure business. I was really, really blessed to kind of get catch on to it really quickly. And then from the success of that, people were asking me, uh, some of my really close friends, you know, how did you do that? And so I started just doing some one-on-one consultations with them. And that grew into an over 1,300 clients business called Scaling with Systems, where we help other high ticket business to business owners scale. So um, it's been a kind of a wild journey. My dad's in remission, super blessed. I always forget to tell that part of the story when I'm good on podcast. Hear, so, hear, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's in remission for three years now. I, he just came down to Miami to visit me. And it's funny, I live in this gorgeous condo in Miami overlooking the water. And he was like, not bad for a law school dropout, right? Because <laughs> I ended up actually dropping out right at the last minute for law school. He thought I made a big mistake, but, um, but incredibly blessed the way it ended up. Yeah. And when you were going through the motions of, okay, I should leave law school and do this. Um, I'm always curious to know, was your motivation, I'm going to prove you wrong or I'm going to be, I'm going to be like, I'm going to make you proud. I think that's, yeah, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. So I don't think it was, I want to prove you wrong, even though like, I think deep down inside, I would be lying to everybody here if I didn't want to you know, if someone tells you you can't do something, almost everybody listening to this wants to show yeah. them that, that that person's wrong. Um, but I think for me, it was more like, I just want to see what will happen, right? I know I had spoken to these lawyers and I yeah. knew what was waiting for me if I went to law school, right? You know, my, my dad lived next to this law school consultant who's like, look, you study for law school, you go to law school, three years later, you're making 150 grand a year, five years after that, you're a partner, you're making $500,000 a year. Like they had my whole life planned out for me. Mm. So I just knew what was over there. And what I didn't know was like, what if I run this online business? So I, I that was the thing that kind of motivated me the most was like, I know what's here, I don't know what's here. And what's what the, on the lawyer side kind of scared me, it was made me a little nervous, it wasn't where mm. I wanted to go. And uh, so I decided to take the other route. But um, it's, it's definitely I, I still remember to this date, I was on Fox News for my advertising agency. We, like I said, we scaled cool. very quickly and I was working with real estate agents. We had 400 real estate agents in North America at one point and I was on Fox News for it. And I remember my aunt, my dad's sister, we come from an immigrant family. My whole family's from India. Mm-hmm. And um, my aunt calls me and everybody's congratulating me for being on Fox News. And she's like, congratulations. I'm like, thanks. She's like, she says, but when are you going to go back to law school? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's when I knew that it was, it was, it was no, no getting through to some of these people here. And, and they always want what's best for you. But um, that's when I, I learned. And if you're listening to this right now, this could be valuable. I learned that most people don't actually have any idea, you know, like you probably don't know what's the best thing for you. So the fact that you think that somebody else knows what's the best thing for you is probably not the case. And, um, and I've followed that mantra for a lot of decisions I've had made in my life. And some of them have been good, some of them have been bad, but at least I was the one at the helm of that decision-making. Yeah, well, so many questions, what led up to that, you know, that Fox News interview, um, because a lot of people start in that startup phase, because especially in online advertising, there's so many people doing it. How did you go from lawyer to getting obsessed with, say, like copy, marketing, direct response, like all these principles that, you know, it's not the same type of reading you might, go into a law library and dissect what's going <laughs> yeah, probably on. the exact opposite actually yeah. um, i mean i mean all copy is roughly the same right all, all copy has persuasion involved inside of it um I, I, like i would say right now and what we teach is i do uh, i do have i don't want to say mastered because i'll sound cocky but i do have the fundamentals of sales and marketing mm. and copywriting really really well down I'll be really frank with everybody that's watching this video or listening to this, watching this, is that in the beginning, I was just modeling other people. That was literally as simple as it was. I was just finding other people that were successful and I was doing exactly what they were doing. I was, there wasn't a whole lot of thinking involved in that stuff to be. Now at the level that we're at, there's decision-making, but 
you know, if you're just starting and I, and that's what I hear all the time. There's so many advertising agencies. Like, yeah. There's so much everything, right? There's so many, you're in 2021, you're not going to reinvent the wheel over here. Right. And I really rec- don't recommend doing it, but uh, people vastly underestimate how large market sizes are. Um, I mean, you know, there's 2 million agents, real estate agents in North America with hundreds of thousands of more jo- uh, joining yeah. every single year. And that's the market I decided to go into. So uh, for me, I was really blessed, I think, in two ways early on. Number one, um, I was blessed in the sense of first eight months of business, I only did $3,000 in total revenue. So I actually flopped in the first eight months of business. And that was because I was so afraid of what other people would think of me because the whole life I was going to be a lawyer. And so mm-hmm. I, in everyone's eyes, I was this lawyer. And if I was going to start posting my Facebook, Instagram, and like coming out as this social media marketer, everyone was going to be oh, well, well, this is what I thought in my head. Everyone's going to be, oh, aren't you supposed to be this lawyer? You're a fraud. You're a scam. And I was like, what I'll do is I'll be successful first. I mean, this is literally how my mind went. I said, I'll be successful first. And then I'll show up to my, from the small town in Florida, I'll show up to this local bar in a Ferrari in a year. And I'll just, everyone's be like, oh my God, what did you do? Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And what I learned, one of the big lessons was that you know, in the very beginning, the people that are most likely going to help you get your business off the ground are going to be friends, family, people that already know, like, and trust you. And so finally, eight months in, I made $3,000 total revenue. That, that's about $3, like three to $6 a day, if you do the math uh, that I was making running this business, quote unquote, living on my brother's couch, because I moved out of my dad's house, because he didn't want me living there if I wasn't going to law school. And I just was like, fuck it. I'm going to post it on my Facebook that I run lead generation online and, you know, people are going to make fun of me. I don't care. And I posted it and I went on a run and I came back home. And of course, just like many of you listening to this right now, my worst fears were never realized. And the opposite actually happened. A lot of people were like, oh my God, you, you can help do lead generation. Like come help me, come help me. And I, you know, in the next 10 days, we did $10,000 from people that were just referring business over to me. And I'm like, Holy more than I had done the past eight months I did in 10 days. And, um, and that really introduced the power of building a solid base of like really close friends, family, people, um, and your network. And then using that success from that to then launch out into cold traffic, going after total strangers and saying, Hey, uh, I know you're a real estate agent in Atlanta. Here's a real estate agent in Florida that I did this successful campaign for. Do you want the same thing? And, uh, and that was really where we were successful. So it sounds like that first eight months, there was this hesitation with self-promotion or some sort of fear around rejection. And then out of uh, Plamo or Plateau moment, I don't, I don't know if you heard the Gary, Gary, Gary Howitt letter from that, but it's like, you had to sort of do something and um, you're just like, fuck it, let's just post it on social media. And see yeah, I was, I mean, I was in, I was in debt. Uh, and yeah, I love Gary Howitt, by the way, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I was in debt, $10,000. Um, I, I, you know, my dad kept on pushing me to go back to law school. It was still around the time that I could actually come back in and go to law school. Uh, and I just, yeah, I had a lot of self-doubt creeping in my mind. Um, and I deal with a lot of people that are beginning, you know, even my girlfriend starting a business right now. Mm. And I just, ha- I, I continue to say the same thing. Like it is going to get so much harder before it gets better. I don't care who you are, what it's going to get. And I just tell people straight up, I'm like, look, if you can't handle the heat, then just, it's totally fine. You don't have to start a business. Like it's not for everybody. And it's really that the reason why entrepreneurs make the money that they make if they're successful is because they'll go years without making anything or months, or whatever else it is being ridiculed, all of that stuff. So um, yeah, there was a lot of self-doubt in the very beginning questioning if I even needed to do it. But of course, 
we live in a social media society. So, you know, I wasn't showing any of the uh, failure to the outer world. So it wasn't even fair to the people that were following me. Everyone still thought that I was going to law school. Mm. Um, and I was kind of hiding behind this, like a facade almost until I was successful. And then I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose at this point. So, yeah. Well, I think that's actually a really hard thing people struggle with is because obviously you don't want to show your wounds. It's, it's not attractive. And we hear all these rags to riches stories from a lot of successful people online. And it's that in-between phase that you, you, that you were just saying, like, I feel like a bit of a pretender here. Like I, I just sort of get this, got to get this working behind the scenes. And, and I feel like that just absolutely just stunts the crap out of people. Cause they're like, how do I position myself online if, I'm not this person, but yeah, I think there's that imposter syndrome yeah. aspect of it. Also, you know, I tr trust me, I, you know, we have thousands of written case studies on our website and all of the headlines are zero to $10,000, zero to a hundred thousand dollars in five days. So like, you know, when you see the, and I, you know, I've run ads, I see the same ads, you see everybody else out here that are all this stuff. That's like everyone's successful immediately. You think that's what it is. There's a great book called the slide edge and by Jeff Olson, and he talks about the quantum leap theory. And it's the idea that everyone thinks that like, I'll be successful when, right? Or like all yeah. of a sudden success is going to happen overnight. When in reality, it's these small daily decisions that have compounded over time. And for me, the small daily decisions that I was making compounded over time was that I wasn't going to do lead generation. Like I, I was just like waiting somehow for something to magically fall in my lap. I don't even know if I had to look back at it, what I was expecting. And, uh, and then from that point, and I learned about the kind of the slight edge and doing daily discipline. I was actually creating a module inside my program the other day about this, but you know, for three years now, every single day I've done some form of lead generation, whether it's paid advertising outbound, these kind of podcasts, like you creating YouTube videos yeah. every day I've done it because it, I've just seen that it snowballs into it. Um, and so that's, that's been a big, big lesson for me, but yeah, I think it's, we live in this highlight world on Instagram and I, I'm part yeah. of it too. I'm not like saying that I'm not part of it. And you're right. It's like, no one really wants to show their, I'll be authentic about it if someone asks me, but I'm not going to be like, Hey, I lost half a million dollars last year doing this stupid thing because then I'll look like an idiot and no one wants to work with me. But it's true. Uh, it's, it, there's, there's, there's more mistakes I think than there are successes, but then the successes drown out the, uh, the mistakes whenever you do get them. Yeah. I, I really like the point how you said um, you're always sending out like at least one boat every day. You're doing some sort of lead gen every single day. And that's one of the lessons my mentor taught me, taught me is like, you have to do at least something even if it's he said like sometimes i even rip a page out of a magazine and send it to a client being like thought about you and that counts as a boat just because you're just nurturing that relationship and i just like that 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 one principle has really helped me so much and i think there's just this hesitation i don't know why to to do legion because it's boring but i'm curious to know like what was that mindset that you told i'm sure you probably had that resistance to do legion every single day when you were first getting started, but could you help maybe the person listening? What was that mindset you told yourself to, to push yourself? I need to do this every day, every day. Yeah. Great question, Jules. So for me, you're right. I hated it. I really hated it. And I would honestly not do it for a very long time. And then, um, I'll actually kind of be really frank with you guys. I kind of cheated a little bit. So this, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick little story. Yeah. I was not, I was not necessarily doing massive amounts of lead generation, but once I did get that $10,000 in 10 days and I started uh, taking the case studies that I got from that and sending them out to other people, people were interested and they're like, yeah, let's get on a call. And I was like doing 
sporadically generation. I call it the you know revenue roller coaster, right? Where you do lead generation, you get a client, then we're fulfilling it. I stop lead generation, then that client doesn't renew, then you're back to lead generation again. I mean, it's up and down and it's a feast famine, right? Yeah, a feast famine, exactly. And so for me, I was like on this just hamster wheel doing this for months at a time. And then I actually ended up going to a mastermind in Atlanta, Georgia, and I paid $3,000 to go there, which is a considerable amount of money for me at the time. And I remember the guy up front that was talking on stage was doing $80,000 a month in his advertising agency. And he was talking about how he gave all of the lead generation to a virtual assistant for $3 an hour in the Philippines. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is like, if I can have somebody else do this for me, then I'll, I'll take off to the moon from there. And I sat down with him at lunch and the guy at the, uh, that was hosting the event was like, you know, you know, success, love, speed, take action. And that's one thing I've always done really well is I've always implemented stuff really quickly. So we're at lunch during the middle of the mastermind and I walk up to the guy that's speaking and I was like, uh, how much is it for you to coach me? And he's like, uh, I've never coached anybody. I'm like, give me a number. He gave me a number. I PayPal'd him that amount right there. A week later, I got my hands on a virtual assistant. And um, from there, that my virtual assistant, which I still have to this day, three years later, um, we sent out 500 cold emails every single day to our target market. And we were just getting you know, 15, 20 booked appointments literally every two days on my calendar. Yeah. Um, and it was from the outbound lead generation. And it was so great because I didn't have to do it, but it still needed to be done. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening to this right now, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I am an advertising agency, but I don't really recommend using other like outside sources for done for you stuff. I really, really believe that you should take stuff in-house if it's as important as lead generation or sales. But if yeah. you can get somebody that can do that and you know it needs to be done, then you can focus on maybe something that you're really, really great at. And, and when that happens, I think you have a real business at that point. Okay. Well, I want to latch on to what you're saying with um, the cold email legion. Obviously, that's just one arm of what you're doing. But so just quick question. Did you read my initial cold email? Uh, you? That you sent to me? Yeah. Oh, wait, it I wasn't a cold not. email. It was not. It was a... Was it Instagram post? Okay, Instagram the reason message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I might have. I don't know. I have someone manage my social media, so I don't remember. One of my team members does. But I think I did because I definitely wouldn't have been on a, a podcast at 7.30 at night unless I <laughs> unless I approved it. <laughs> okay, well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh, I like to use a lot of humor. I like to call out the enemy when it comes to a cold email. Um, but curious to know, what is your formula for creating a good cold email? Yeah. So great question. In my eyes, I think that the successful lead generation campaign, <clears throat> we've sent hundreds of thousands of emails and generated millions of dollars from outbound cold lead generation. That's one of the things that I'm best at. And it's one of the things that people in the world are the worst at. So I, you know, I make a good bit of money from it. So in my eyes, a really successful lead generation campaign, and for those of you listening at home, this is pretty important, doesn't start with the email. It starts way before that. You know, I'm not going to get into product market fit at this point. It's something that we teach in our program. I'm going to assume that people actually want what you're selling. And by the way, just because your mom and your dad tells you it's a good idea, doesn't mean that people actually want what you're selling. Yep. If people are buying what you're selling, then that's that people actually want what you're selling, right? Strangers, by the way, strangers are buying what you're selling. Then you, you might have product market fit. So let's assume you have product market fit. 
The next step is actually finding qualified people to reach out to. So that was the other big mistake that I made in my cold email campaigns was I was just having my virtual assistants reach out to anybody that was a real estate agent, right? And what I quickly learned, if there's any real estate agents listening to this, is that over uh, 60% of real estate agents in North America make less than $40,000 a year. My lowest ticket price was $2,500 a month for three months. So that's $7,500 a quarter of what they make in a year, I was gonna ask these total strangers for. And what I realized was that if I could then, instead of going just after any real estate agent, if I could only go after the cream of the crop, people that were making 50, $80,000 a month in commissions, then when I said $2,500, they wouldn't even bat an eye, right? And then because they were actually talented at what they were doing, then when I sent them leads, they could actually close it versus the person who's like desperate and doesn't even know how to close it. Yeah. You know, I owned a real estate brokerage in, in the state of Florida. I know what is required to be a real estate agent that, you know, for everyone listening at home, not a whole lot, to be honest with you. So there's no sales and marketing to, uh, strategy, a part of it. You're going to get a bunch of listeners that are real estate agents. that are going to be emailing you upset. But um, so what, what I figured out instead was to go to the source of where I'm getting leads from. And instead of just doing real estate agents, I would go and look at Zillow.com, which is the United States. uh, And I would look at their Zillow premier agents, which were real estate agents who were paying Mm. to be sponsored on Zillow. And then when you're on Zillow premier agent, you can also filter by number of reviews and review rating. So then we would go and look at people who had over a hundred reviews above 4.8 stars. And so what you're pretty much saying is this is a real estate agent who is doing hundreds of transactions a year, who is paying for lead generation already and is actually good at their job and those who we would send the messages to. So that had a massive difference in the success of our campaign right off the bat. But then from there, we would then use that introduction, that line of personalization from where we found them in the first line or two of the email. So the main reason why emails don't work is because of the open rates. And the main reason that people don't open it is not because the deliverability, the, you know, how clean the email is. Yeah. That's rarely what the case is. What usually it is, is your subject line. And then what most people don't talk about is the first line after your subject line. Because if you, if anybody here opens up your phone and you look at your email app, it doesn't just show you the subject line. It shows you the first eight to 10 words. Yeah. Uh, yep. That, that happens after that. And so people were saying question about your company. And then they'd go, the reason I'm reaching out is I help people just like you do. And, you know, I, like if you get that email, you're like, fuck it. Right. I'm not I delete this immediately. Yeah. But what we were doing instead was we were saying, uh, you know, uh, some business for you, question mark was the subject line. And then underneath it would say, hey, I found you on Zillow Premier Agent and saw that you were one of the top agents in Atlanta, Georgia. So I wanted to reach out. If you were a real estate agent and you get that email, there is a nine times out of 10 chance you're going to open that because you think that it's about to be business. And then at that point, once you open it and you have them in, then you really lean on foundational copywriting in order to hook them in, right? So then you talk about your case studies, you talk about you know your actual transformation, how you help them. They don't give a fuck that you're running Facebook ads or YouTube ads, or they don't care that mm-hmm. you're a coach that does this. They just care how can you help them. So if you create an email that's crafted around that, that talks about the transformation, talks about case studies, gives them evidence, gives them proof, gives them additional training, um, you know you should you could have like a five to eight percent booking rate from your emails, which is what we essentially have five to eight percent that's really not that bad actually i mean that's if you're doing five to eight percent of for a, a, a high ticket product yeah. at scale or sending thousands of emails a day is actually really great yeah, yeah it's uh, i know like i'm with you mate like those yeah. numbers when you think about it i send out 100 emails at three dollars an hour or five dollars an hour for someone to help me do it and we create five to eight opportunities i mean yeah, I mean it's better than it's better than ads. We're I mean our, our ROI was better than ads. It's just not as scalable as ads, right? So then at some point it makes sense that 
you know, instead of trading, let's say you send a thousand emails out and for numbers sake, it costs you a hundred dollars to pay your virtual assistant for a thousand people to see it. You're paying a hundred dollars CPM cost per thousand eyeballs on Facebook or YouTube. You could pay 15 to $25, you know, CPM yeah. cost per eyeball. So at some point it makes sense, but in the very beginning, I think you can make plenty of money with just outbound. All right. All right. Well, I, I guess the next challenge for people is to find those people if they're not on uh that they're not real estate agents. One thing I do, maybe you can chime in with your two cents is that one, I'll find people who are advertising on feeds and I'll look if they're relevant Two, podcasts have got great people to just mine. Like you go on big podcasts, you go there, obviously look at follow account and that's a good indication of where they're at. But um, yeah, curious to know how, how yeah. your other sort of mining methods. It, it just depends, right? I think that that is like really the secret is like I said in the beginning is where you're getting these from. So if you can get that down and the, the, the thing that happens is that it takes like one or two more steps than what they want. And so people just don't do it. But what you don't realize is that if it takes one to two more steps, then that's likely that nobody else is doing it. So some of our best like gold mines of sources are just like one or two layers deep than people are willing to go, right? Like we find a name on one website and then we have to go to Google, type in the name, find the uh, LinkedIn, then use a tool to scrape the email from the LinkedIn. And that's the email that we get. And most people aren't willing to do that work. But if you're willing to go that far, you can really, really get quality lead sources. So for us, a really great sources are LinkedIn Sales Navigator. We scrape emails from there. That's probably one of my favorite sources. A software that we love to use is called Built With, where they're literally you can say, is this person using this certain CRM like Salesforce or tool like Zapier, right? Anything like that where you're saying if they're using this, they're likely your, your ideal client. Um, I, a podcast is a great way to do it. Instagram, you know, finding people that follow other people on Instagram, then finding their emails or even DMing them on Instagram as well. And then just having little qualification checkboxes. So like, for example, not necessarily selling my, any of my companies, but when I was getting on podcasts, like last year, I did about 150 podcasts. And one of the ways that we were doing it was we were finding what podcast my competitors were on. And then I had a SOP center operating mm -hmm. procedure where my virtual assistant would then first see, is it in this category that we want to be in? Then we would look at their social media and see what their followers were. Then we would look at, have they published a, a podcast in the past two weeks? Then we would see, do they have over 4.7 stars? Then do they have more than 50 reviews? And then once they pass that qualification, then we would scrape their email and then we'd send a cold email out to them. And we had an insane, I mean, I was on, Neil Patel's podcast. I was on John Lee Dumas's podcast. I was on Kevin Harrington's podcast. I mean, we were really, and it was all from cold emailing and going out and adding that little line of personalization. Yeah. But, um, but that brought us in millions of dollars just from doing the podcast itself uh, and getting uh, larger audiences like that. But it really does work. And so we just like, we just used iTunes, uh, a library or podcast library, what's called Apple podcast yep. to find the people. So you just got to get a little creative. And when you do, you can make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. And, and the good thing is that you probably get this. I don't know. Do you have a podcast, Ravi? I do not know. Okay. Cause one thing when you're a podcaster, you get these terrible pitches from. Yeah, exactly. The agencies. worst pitches in the world. Yeah. And, and the funny thing was, was that my pitch, because once again, I'll just toot my horn a little bit here. Yeah. I am really great at copywriting. And so my pitch was really great. So we were getting like John Lee Dumas, Neil Patel, all these people saying, this is the best podcast pitch I've ever gotten in my, you know, like this is insane. And then I have a few podcast agencies as clients of mine that started using my podcast pitch in order to get, um, 
because I gave it to them in order to get their clients signed on things. But also it, it really helps that I know how to tell a story. Well, you know, I know the whole point of this, your, your podcast mm. is about telling stories and really what I knew that the podcasters wanted, which is the same thing as sales is I knew they wanted an access to a new audience. Right. And I knew they wanted somebody interesting and I knew they wanted someone who can give valuable value to their audience. Right. So I would just cover all of those in the podcast, pitch. I would talk about how I, um, yeah. you know, I have followers in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I'll talk about my dad's story. And then I would talk about how I can t- teach people this, this, and this. And that was really how we got a great response rate. That's key. Like what's in it for them. Like we're talking about the start. Um, so <laughs> we could just go on a different conversation of how many people just talk about themselves and how great they are instead of just like, tell me how you can benefit my Help podcast. Me. Yeah, my dad, my dad used to say everyone's favorite radio station is WIIFM, which is what's in it for me. And it's just so true. Like if you can just position things as far as whether it's sales copy, like you're on a date, like you're asking a girl out on a date, what what can you do to convince that person that this is beneficial to them? It's so fundamental and so like rudimentary that people just ignore it but it's it's just insane how accurate it is i'm on the same page yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i want to change gears slightly just towards the end here um i want to ask you a quick question about you what's your key focus on or like what's your vision for the next six 12 months inside your business yeah so uh right now we're we're really blessed to be growing pretty quickly uh you know Three years ago, I was at law school dropout. Now we're running an eight-figure company. We have 30 employees. So we're, we're right now, the next six to 12 months, a few things is happening. We launched a new offer. Um, and so pretty much managing and growing team uh, members is like where a lot of my time is spent right now. Finding really talented A players. It, like is I never thought that that would be something that was like my full-time job. But one of the biggest things, if you're listening to this right now, you're maybe a coach, consultant, or, or business owner, you're growing relatively quickly. But having one A player is worth its weight in 15 B to C players. I can speak for that from experience and try to save you some trouble. But my vision in the next six to 12 months is to continue to grow this business. I want to grow my audience as well. And then um, w- one of the things I've been starting to do is start to take up partnerships with some clients that have really incredible businesses and helping them hit eight figures and even some of them potentially nine figures um, and, and going on that journey with them. Nice. Okay. And the follow-up question to that would be, in order to hit these goals, is there something that you may be afraid of or you're a bit scared of that you know you need to focus on in order to achieve like these hiring goals, these partnership goals? Like what might be that one thing? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, anytime you're dealing with other people, I guess you have to intrinsically look at yourself and have to take a real hard look and audit about yourself, right? Why would someone want to give up their job somewhere else and come work with you? Or if you're having people leave your company, why are people leaving my company? Or if you're trying to get an equity partnership with somebody else inside of their company, why would they, because when you do that, you're pretty much like getting married. I mean, you're getting in bed with somebody when you do that kind of stuff. So why would they see you as someone valuable? And I think like one of the toughest things I've had to do is really just look at myself in the mirror and just be like, you know, where are your weaknesses? Why, where are your flaws? Why would someone not want to work with you? And um, I think the other big thing that I've, I've been dealing with is like, you know, just realizing that, you know, excuse my language here, but kind of that your shit doesn't stink, right? It's just like, you're not, you're not, you're a small, small, tiny, itty bitty, little tiny fish in a big, big pond. I think the most successful and rich I ever felt was that first $10,000 I made in 10 days because I was measuring myself compared to everyone around me in the past eight months where I made $3,000. But since then, I've just felt like a nobody. Um, but that's been really what's been great to kind of, for me at least, motivate me moving forward. Yeah, so it's that self-reflection and uh, 
trying to not compare yourself, which we all kind of do. <laughs> have you read Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon? I don't think Hill? I have. No. All right. That's a, might be. I know you probably got a thousand books in your list, but that might be uh, up your I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, I keep on my rules ever since I started. Like I, I've been reading personal development books since before it was cool. Like my, when I was 17 years old, I was reading Think and Grow Rich and um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But my number one rule I've always had is that you can always afford a book. And so I have like, I mean, you can, I know people can't see this, but obviously this, and then I have another library on the other side of my house. And I have a list of I, every time I see one, I'm like, all right, I'll just buy it. I'll read it later. I'll read it later. So I have a whole list, but yeah, you'll have to message that to me. Cause I'm I, obviously I love Napoleon Hill. So I'll definitely have to check it out. Oh, it's a, oh man, it's so many good concepts in that book. It's basically, especially fitting for this time about how, 98% of the people are fear driven and stuck in their own problems and won't get anywhere. But the 2% who are f- successful are faith driven. And he talks about how the devil, so to speak, like conceptually pulls people towards being in that towards fear, fear and stuff. Yeah. And um, very cool. Yeah. A lot of different things that are going on right now. It's a bit of inception, but anyways, I, I, of- yeah, I believe that we don't have to touch on that, but I, I, I buy into that. I believe that for sure. Hey, so where's the best place for my audience to find you online? If you got anything you want to, you got coming up or you want to promote, you're more than happy to, to talk about that. Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me on here, Jules. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome questions. Um, you know, the beginning of this, you said that we're going to do this conversationally and I was like, perfect. And I think we, I think we did a, a decent job at that. Anybody that's still listening to this right now, thank you guys so much for lending me your ears. I really hope you guys learned something. I know I do talk quickly. Um, and because of that, we did create a pretty much totally 100% free course. It's like four and a half hours of content that I always give away on a podcast because it goes much more in depth on a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here, like lead generation, product market fit. Um, but if you go to scalingwithsystems.com slash course, C-O-U-R-S-E, um, you just put your name and email in there and you can get access to the course and that'll go a lot more in depth. But if you just are like, Revy, don't fucking put me in a funnel and I just want to watch you, then uh, you can go to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, anywhere. Just type my first and last name, R-A-V-I-A-B-U-V-A-L-A. And I'd love to connect with you. Don't put me in a funnel, man. <laughs> well, I, I know the audience I'm talking to right now. They're like, uh, it's, two things are going to happen. They're going to be like, uh, fuck this guy in his funnel. Or if they're like me, they're like, let me see what this guy's funnel looks like. And then they're going to come and funnel hack me. Well, exactly. Like, don't get upset. <laughs> just to yeah, observe. He's learn. Doing, he's doing really well. <laughs> Robbie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Jules, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests' freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.